When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today I'm carrying on the theme of uh, international uh, sort of podcast that I'm looking to uh, showcase and look at key individuals, really, who I think deserve a, a platform on a wider wider network or key key characters for you to follow and, and gain interest, especially for who I do. And my, and my guest today is the best way to describe her is probably the south asian oprah winfrey um and if you think of the weight that that will carry um i think i'm not going to do it a disservice so without further ado welcome to thunderdom tint welcome oh my goodness ricky that's high praise it really is oh wow thank you thank you no problem and i will from the start i will say i will speak slow because i do understand especially with my accent and and the area that i'm from in birmingham we do have a certain um way of uh, speaking and it could be a bit too fast so um if i if i'm asking you a question and it's too and you don't understand then just just do it (laughs) do the same is that all right? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I just want to start off with and just say, how are you to start off with? I'm doing fabulous. I'm doing great. Um, my heart is full of gratitude. So much love pouring in. And I'm honored that you called me on your podcast. So thank you. Yeah, I was I was really interested in um in, in, in your story as well. And um, you know, when you're seeing the um the characters and the people who are coming on to you, the individuals, should I say, that have come on to your your podcast. So it's I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's jar because I know you're saying it's chai with a T podcast. Um can you just give us a little bit of a background on the podcast and then I'll I want to uh, jump in a little bit deeper. Sure. Um the podcast is called Chai with Tea. The the reason it's called Chai with Tea um, is because Tarannum is really hard to pronounce for a lot of people. It's one of those names that's a tongue twister. Um, secondly, I it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek because non-South Asian folks usually go to like Starbucks or Tim Hortons or coffee shops. They ask for chai tea, which is, I mean, for us Punjabis, we're like, no, you're saying chai, chai twice or tt right um, <laughs> and then 
I mean, with the lingo and the slang sort of evolving, now tea has a different meaning. So spill the tea. Um, so that works as well. Um, I just wanted to have a safe space, Ricky. For me, it was really important to humanize my guests, um, whether it's artists, whether it's celebrities, whether it's people with different backgrounds. Um, I really, really, I, it wasn't about scratching the surface. I really wanted to go deep and have deep conversations. And that was the whole intent. And I think um, so far, um, I feel like I have been able to achieve that. I do want to continue these conversations um, with people from various backgrounds. There's a lot of ideas constantly brewing in my head, but essentially that's what Chai, chai with Tea is. And, you know, I, I, I will touch on it, but I just want to kind of run towards the end on this little bit. Do, what what do, you, what do you see as the deep advantage in terms of kind of spearheading that movement of long conversations where you're, um, you know, we, you've come from a, a media background where things are bite-sized, three-minute segments, seven-minute segments, and then people expect to tell their stories and then and move on. H- how do you think, you know, your change of style from being like that to going to long format has helped you? I think I was craving for it. I um I almost felt like if I was on radio, for example, which was my um and television, my previous experiences, I always felt like there was things that were that I wasn't able to get out of the artist. They were, I mean, you know, you have a time frame and you're trying to do conversations in a very short time frame, like you said. Um, For radio, for example, when you're doing a live interview, it's great, you have a guest and you're having that conversation. But as soon as, sometimes it would happen that as soon as you are about to get deeper into the moment that they're talking about or referencing an anecdote, um, it was time for commercials. Then you have to sell cars and then you have to sell the vegetables. and Double um, glazing. That was a big thing. In the UK, double glazing is a big thing. (laughs) So it was really, um, and I could feel that. I could feel that. There could have been more. There could have been more. And I kept craving for that. Um, I've been really, really fortunate. For the last two decades, I've built incredible relationships and friendships with friends in the industry. Um, And off the record, these conversations used to happen all the time um, because there was a comfort level. But those conversations, I wished they were recorded at times, of course, keeping their consent in mind. Um, And I think that was, I was ready. And so were they because the trust was already there. Um, So I feel like people are also ready because during the pandemic, the long format interviews, the podcast revolution really, really did really well. Um, people's attention span also, I feel like, has increased. And we keep saying that people just want to see the 30 seconds and the one minute, but I feel like if you give them quality content, they embrace it and they're listening. I I always find when I'm interviewing people that sometimes the best stuff is after the camera stopped recording. Right. And and you you are in a little bit of a, a privileged position because... They've obviously consented to giving you the, the the interview, but the stuff after is the gold sometimes. And then you're persuading them to say, like, do you think that, do you think people should hear, oh, I think people should hear that. How do you, is there ever been a point where you've had to make that decision where you, where you had to say, so come on, I think you need to let that out? Um, I have, I have. Um, and sometimes I think what ends up happening um, with, 
public figures is you are constantly asked similar questions in the media. So you get used to asking or used to giving similar answers. So you have these stories in your head that you constantly share. Um, celebrity X, Y, and Z. When you Google their interviews, you will find a pattern. And they're very, very similar in the way they share stories. They were, because they're so used to having similar questions pointed to them. Um, and there's also a little bit of a fear of judgment. So anytime you have to share something new, uh, you don't know how people are going to perceive it, how everybody's going to take it. So there's a bit of that as well. The cancel culture is huge right now. So um, so there has been times where we've talked about something off the camera. Um, we've discussed it. And if they are comfortable with it, um, most of the time they end up sharing it. 99% of the time, the conversation that you see on the podcast are organic. We haven't discussed what we're going to talk about. We haven't discussed what questions are going to be. Um, it's it's a conversation. I don't even call them interviews. I call them conversations. So I'm grateful for that trust and faith that they show in me. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad you said that because I, I'm very similar in terms of having that organic sort of nature. I very rarely, only one interview that I've ever like researched massively and um, uh and and it, and it, there was a different style to it because that but that was it, it it was what it was um okay so as you were growing up your your parents were into kind of arts and theater what sort of influence did they have on you in terms of um as a as a young Dunham? huge influence i am who i am because of my parents and i was thinking about that um yesterday in fact because i i was with my grandparents yesterday as to how the qualities of each one of them influence you as an individual. Um, the discipline that I have in my life when it comes to my work comes from my grandparents and parents, both. There was this work ethic that they brought to the table, the dedication, the passion for the craft, constantly wanting to um, evolve and learn. I That's because of my parents. Uh, my father was... Uh, master's in theater from Punjab University, Patiala. So my childhood was all about growing up in the green rooms and watching them do these plays and rehearsals and traveling with them. Um, with mom, she was a massive star in her college days uh, in declamations and debates. And some of the people that she had debates with on provincial level are now huge politicians. Um, so she, you know, speaking uh, language, command on the language, uh, making sure no matter what language you speak, you do full justice to it. Um, the nuances. I get called out all the time if I mispronounce something to date. Uh, so that, um, I think a lot of it, a huge influence of the family. I want to, I want to, um, you know, when I was kind of reading put on yourself and just listening to stuff, I want to just, just go on to your mom for a second because, sure. um, there was something that kind of resonated with me within there because I had I, my uh, grand granddad especially was was very ill um, for quite a large part of my my life to be honest and uh, you know the the amount of toll it takes on a family and quite rightly in terms of like doing them a service but your mom at the age of eight when you were eight was had um, uh, was was paralyzed and had to uh, you know health health issues on that what 
how did you balance that out where you've got one such a creative side in terms of imagination stuff and then you've got the you know as a daughter duty and a family duty to take care how did you get that balance I think my creativity saved me it really did I think as an eight-year-old I could have been really really lost and I was lost I I really didn't know our our entire life changed overnight um I had young parents who were extremely active and passionate and doing so many things. And we were starting out a new life in Chandigarh in 87, this is. And um, just when they thought that there is a new beginning, they have young children, um, the stroke happened. So everything was upside down. And um, I feel like I didn't know any better. Um, I come from a family of really compassionate people. Uh, so when my brother was sent away, I was the only child left at home with mom and dad. When dad was taking care of mom, I took on that very, very organically. Um, it was almost like, well, now one of us is not doing well, so we have to take care of her. Um, mind you, if there was a lot of confusion and there was a lot of denial. There was a lot of, I remember going through a period where, because Physically, a, a daughter, especially a girl, really looks up to the mother, really looks up to the fashion style and the things she's wearing and the shoes she has. And, you know, and, and you're you're pretty much when she's at work, I used to like look at her lipsticks and her makeup and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, um, she's not she's not the same person. I don't even recognize her physically. That was really difficult. Um, but all I remember, to be honest, is taking her hand and making her walk, teach her how to walk again, dad and I. Um, my memory of that period is dad standing behind me and teaching me how to roll the rotina. Mm -hmm. um, what saved me in terms of creativity was my imagination. Uh, my One of my best friends used to come over because I, I wasn't able to go out a lot because of the responsibilities. I, I had a phenomenal childhood surrounded by the most amazing um, friends. And one of my friends would come over and I would have a tape recorder and I would pretend that I'm interviewing her um, and she would be the celebrity. And then we would reverse the roles and I would pretend to be the celebrity. Um, just constantly in my head playing roles, imagining myself uh, being on television, taking the newspaper with mom and dad and pretending to re read the news and trying to get their attention. And then dad was really passionate about theater. So he had uh, a theater group for children called Theranum Arts. And we used to, in summertime, get together all the kids in the neighborhood and uh, rehearse a play. And then we used to perform. Um, I think it really gave me the confidence because I, I went through bullying in school and I went through a lot of challenges. I didn't have any confidence in myself because of whatever was going on at home because I knew the circumstances are different at home than my other friends whose moms were doing all these amazing things and my mom was bedridden um theater gave me confidence performing arts gave me an incredible um boost to my self-esteem to my self-confidence it taught me how to express myself um, it taught me how to communicate it taught me how incredible it can be when you're on stage and when people are listening to you um, and I was doing the same in school as well I wasn't great at studies but when it came to performing and being on stage uh, my teachers knew that this is this is where she belongs 
I mean, thank you for sharing that in in real detail. Because sometimes when you kind of reflect back, you know, that your your emotions and sometimes the words are not there that are appropriate that in terms of like feeling. Did you did you feel a sense of you know because you then became you know a real crucial cog within the the family function of making things happen? Did you feel a little bit of an injustice or a loss when you're looking at your friends in terms of how they, what they're doing and your childhood has automatically just, you know, just happened. There's been a, a massive change. D- did you, do you still feel that bit of loss or that bit of injustice that you missed a little bit on your childhood? I do. I do. I, especially after I became a mother, I think I felt it even more. Um, I did feel that. I feel like I grew up really, really fast. I feel like the way I looked at life was very different than the kids my age. Um, The way I had the sort of the empathy and compassion was very different. That innocence, that sort of um, being the strong one, being the being the grown up one all of a sudden, uh, because dad's alone he's doing everything on his own so being that support system so yes definitely grew up really fast um and i also really wanted to give my children that opportunity to be kids just be kids sleep in if you want to uh, be childish if you want to these are the things we never got to do Um, but for some reason both of them turned out to be really old souls and they're too they're so grown up sometimes even more grown up than I am um but I feel like the reason I have the curiosity and the zest for life now um and the gratitude that I have is because of that phase in my life and that chapter in my life because uh, I know how unpredictable life is I know how things can change overnight I'd never take anything for granted um and I I get to experience my childhood in a way with with my kids and my nieces and nephews now. So yeah, that makes up for it for sure. Yeah, no, and I, I I can kind of re- relate to to kind of a, a little bit what 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 you were saying, um, especially when you got kids. Um, I had a very weird experience with one of my one of my children around. Um, uh, we were playing, um, you know, pillow fight, you know, pillow fights, and and I just said to him, "Oh, come on, let let's have a pillow fight," and they didn't know what it was. Because they're so oh. used to looking at screens and looking at, yeah. you know, conversation. Some of the basic, uh, ba- basic games of playing with a balloon up in the keeping it up in the air the longest yeah. possible. They, they they move out and you and then when you hear those conversations, it makes you reflect back of when you were that age and you think, do they? Do you think that they? Do you think that? Um, Sometimes when you look back and you can feel sad, but they don't know any better. Do you get what I mean? Do, do, who do you think is in a better position, us or them? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there is both. I, I, I have reflected upon this thought. Um, I love the fact that they are able to have more opportunities than what we had. Um, but I also feel like the struggles um, really taught us a lot early on. There was a sense of independence. Growing up in India, we didn't have a choice but to become street smart, which I never became, by the way. <laughs> I, I Till today, I just, I I trust blindly. Um, but those things that you really, that can't be taught, but they come to you because of the circumstances around you. I feel like the children are very sheltered, extremely sheltered. They're not experiencing um, life at a grassroots level. I don't know how else to say it. Um, 
those experiences are priceless, what we went through, whether they were the ups and the downs and every little thing, there was a joy in non-materialistic things. Um, which I find is kind of missing now because I feel like because we are privileged enough to give them what they want, um, there, there is everything is surrounded by materialistic stuff. So that was never there. I don't remember ever having dolls or toys or any of that. Um, so I've given the children an opportunity to sort of explore and have some free time because I had a lot of that during summer holidays mom was sick dad was working I was home so there wasn't really much um to do sometimes so I it was all imagination and creativity and creating things and writing things and pretending to be somebody I'm not um and I've given that uh, and consciously given that chance to my children to create um my son in fact during these summer holidays has put together a short film Um, and he shot it he wrote it he edited it he's 12 and and that comes from being free and not being forced to go to soccer baseball swimming Um, you you have to be in 10 activities so I think I've made both husband my husband and I have made that conscious decision to to let them be it's okay to sleep in. It's okay to go to bed late. It's okay not to have a schedule for these two months. Just be be yourself. Do what you want to do. What is it that you want to do? So I think treating them like individuals and not just controlling them is has something that I've learned um, over the years. I mean, it's trial and error. There's no right and oh, wrong, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, this works never, for us. Yeah, you know, it's never it's never pretty. And then when you're looking at content, it, it, you know, especially content creators and the YouTube kids and looking at um, some of the influences, you can see that that in, in the in the right area your your son's looking in is um, you know it's a lot better than the, the, some of the other things that, uh, professions that they could go into. What what uh, can you just sh- share your journey in terms of where you got up to the point of being a young lady, seventeen, eighteen, making that move to towards Canada? How did that process get, go on? Um, it was a difficult process. It wasn't a decision that was made by me. Um, it was a decision that was made by my extended family, my Nana Naniji, my Masiji, my Mamaji, um, and my mom and dad. Um, I was dead against it. I was one of those kids who n- wanted to die in Chandigarh. My <laughs> 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 Chandigarh um, was is where my heart beats. I grew up there. I yesterday I was in an Uber and. Somebody made a comment about uh, Chandigarh, and like it's not the same as it used to be. And I was like, no, 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 no. You, you don't, don't say know what that you're about talking my... about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't know. You you just don't say that about my city. Um, so I was one of those kids. I was like, no, I'm gonna do journalism here, and this is where I'm gonna be, and this is where I'm like, I I never envisioned my future in Canada ever. But I think it was one of those things that mom and dad decided that was the best for me. Um, I didn't have much say at the age of 17. I think mom and dad were really, really trying to protect me um, more than anything else. I think dad always knew that I had a passion for media. And back of his mind, he always knew that I will not be able to survive knowing my personality with the same dignity and integrity um, in, in the business side of things as a female and how challenging that could be. So I think now I look back and all of those things make sense, uh, why they took the decision. It took me about three years. Um, I was fortunate. I had the family support. I was living with my grandparents. Um, 
they tried to get me through different things and suggested all these different colleges and universities and do this and do that. And and I think deep inside, I was never able to vocalize it as to what I want to do. Um, that media is where my heart is. Um, just because you're fearful, it's South Asian family, you don't know how they're going to take it, right? So I never expressed it. But secretly in my grandparents' house, I was taking a camcorder and recording my intros all the time and pretending to be on TV. Um, so clearly, I was going to fail at everything else that I attempted, which I did. So, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's fascinating in terms of like, um, you know, the, the decision making, especially of older, the older generation, how brave they were in, in taking these de- decisions, you know, even though they're, they're fearful and, and they might regret, regret it or and then, you know, bestowing that on their children as well at the same time. Um, you know, that quality, or you could see, you could call it a quality is, is obviously kind of missing now, but you've got that unique experience. I recently came from Toronto a few weeks back, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back, and I was just sitting there, just taking in the amount of students and thinking about the, those brave decisions in terms of how they've gone over there, how they're living over here and that side. Is there a part of you every time you see, see somebody like that just goes back to that bit and you can empathize a little bit about it because you you do concentrate on a lot of social issues as well you know that you're a champion for empowering uh women etc um how do you kind of deal with that then every time every time i see a student on the bus on the sky train um anytime i bump into them at stores i there there is there is a sense of empathy and it it, it takes a lot it takes a lot to leave your the comfort of your home and move to a different country and start a new life. Without Most of them don't have family support here, um, and they are doing their best. They're working hard. They're being discriminated against. They are um, trying to be as brave as they can be. Um, it does take me back, absolutely does. And I feel like recently, a few months ago, I got a chance to travel to the interior um, and I went to different colleges and met up with a lot of international students. And there is just obviously you you lean towards just bump. You want to find your own, right? So because I want to hear their stories and what is it that they're struggling with and how I can help. Um, and it was just the most incredible experience. Um, these kids are absolutely uh passionate about having a better future in this country they've come with so many dreams and they want to do so many things um, but there there is there's a little bit of a divide um, and I rightfully so I've been in the country for 25 years now so I get both sides of the story <laughs> the I, I, I get it I get it I play <laughs> devil's advocate all the time um, so I get where this side is coming from and where the students are coming from but I really wish that there was an opportunity to sort of bridge that gap and I wish there was more conversation and dialogue happening. Um, I think it is, uh, slowly but surely. I really want to bring that out on the podcast more moving forward as well. I have brought it up mm. in my sort of little ways. It's weird um, that, and I thought about it, there is a pattern in my guests as well. A lot of my guests have actually come to this country as international students, and I didn't realize that. Uh, but when I, I started sort of making the list, uh, there was that common element between all of them. So, yeah, it's um, 
it, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Definitely. Uh, I feel like we just all need yeah. to listen. That's all we need to do. What's the biggest, what are the similarities and what's different from when you, when you look at your scenario compared to what the scenario looks like now in Canada? One of them, one of the biggest ones I feel is there weren't too many like myself when I came. And there were very few students that were um, coming from overseas. The opportunities were not there. Most of them were coming because they had families here. Um, another thing that was there was there was this big, it was a big deal for me to blend in. Um, I wanted to embrace the new culture. I wanted to just learn and absorb and pick up the accent, pick up the language, pick up the nuances, the pleases, the thank yous. Um, so I think first year and a half was just observation. I didn't have the courage to, I could speak English fluently, but I didn't have the courage to have a conversation because I didn't really have context. I started working pretty much as I landed in December. And I think by the December 7th is when I landed in 97 and I started working, I think three weeks later. Um, so I didn't have the courage to express myself in the way they were speaking because it was new to me. Um, we didn't have social media back then. So I really didn't have much context of Canada. Whatever I'd heard of Canada was through my aunts and uncles and what they had told us. Um, so I think there was this eagerness to absorb and to fit in and to make an effort that we, there was this realization that we are in this country um, this country has opened the doors to us. So it's our responsibility as individuals to make an effort uh, to learn their language, their culture, their respect, um, their living. And that I, I feel like is a little bit of a, maybe it's a rebellious nature, maybe it's age, maybe it's a comfort that there is many of us that can protect each other. You're not alone anymore. Hmm. I don't know what it is, but I feel like that's missing. I I feel like there is a comfort in um, the language. Punjabi is written everywhere. Punjabi is spoken everywhere. So you're really not going that extra mile to learn the language or make that extra effort to um, be part of the culture. Integrated, integrated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's I saw that. I, 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 did, I did feel that. I don't feel that in Vancouver. Yeah, mm. I felt I felt Vancouver was a little bit more like Birmingham. I like that. Yeah, but when <laughs> when I was when I was in, the, in in Toronto, there was one thing that yeah. happened. So I just I was just apt. first. It's really flat, so you could just see everyone everywhere, right? Mm, so then, right when when I could see like kind of groups of people and stuff, and then I went to Tim Hortons and um, and I I ordered and uh, I have my usual French vanilla, and I literally said my order. And I put put in a food order and I turned around to my friends. And then within about 30 seconds, they've given me my delivery of the food and the drink. And I was like, what? It's ready that quick. And there were just a group of Punjabis working in the background, you, you know, just working hard. You could see. Yeah. And she turned around, she goes, she goes, Oh, that's what we do here, sir, at Tim Hortons. And I was mm -hmm. like, the amount of people that I ask here, are they proud of where they work or actually care of their employers? <laughs> Very small. But she had a sense of pride and the loyalty to that brand and organization that that was the biggest thing that meant to her. And it hit me there. I thought that is, that's what Punjabis do, isn't it? Is that's the pride in their work in terms of doing it from there. And then I left, then as I was leaving, I was thinking, I was like, 
I wonder how long that's got left in her. Mm. You know, you know, from that in, yeah. in that that whether how long will that carry on? Where will it be resented? Right. Will it be the racism? Will it be that discrimination? Will it yeah. be I don't need to learn anything else? I can just hang around with other Punjabis and just stay isolated within there. But I just thought that really different, especially between the UK and the Canada. Um, there, I'm blown away by the the amount of work these kids are putting in. Like every every single time, I've had conversations with um, the international students, especially, has really left me feeling. Um, I wish I could do more. Mm. Wish I could do more because I there is a lack of guidance. Um, most of them just land up, and there is no sort of direction that's given to them. Um, they're sort of figuring everything out on their own. Um, the support um, is, it only comes down to how much money can we make off of them. And there is a lot of lot of harassment happening in places as well. Um, females are going through a lot of challenges uh, once you start talking to them. But I think you're, you're absolutely right. I wish, I wish we realized what you realized. I wish we realized that the, the, our entire service sector is running because of them at this mm -hmm. point. Um, otherwise, you know, in, in restaurants, they're working so hard. In service industry, they're working so hard. Um, and I really wish we did more. I wish we did more for them. You think the um, the the big influencers, the social media, the singers, the movie stars, and mm -hmm. and whoever, especially the the, the contacts that you have. This is a bit of a loaded question, so I'll mm -hmm. apologize for it. Do you think they do enough? I think um, when it comes to doing enough, what does that even mean, right? I almost feel like it's it's so subjective. Some of them might say, well, we are writing songs for them. We are representing them. Our stories are very similar to theirs. Um, so we are being their role models. We are sort of... Um, entertaining them. I, I remember seeing a performance of Nirvair Pannu recently in Brampton, Mela, um, and he pulled out his phone and he had this poetry that was so empowering to the international students that he recited. As an artist, when it comes to doing more, um, it's so subjective. It's A lot of them are doing philanthropy at their own end for different causes. A lot of them um, are vocal when nobody has the courage to be vocal and they're saying the things they can say um, and empowering them. So I really, I, I, I feel like art and creativity can be really empowering. In my case, it really was. Um, so what's being written, what's being presented, what's being given to them sometimes can be extremely um, uplifting and it can empower, like words have huge power. Um, and if even if that was taken care of, if if the artists were doing that for me, I I want to say thank you, thank you for doing that. But yeah, it's it's a tough one. It really yeah. is a tough one. Yeah, no, no. I mean, so like you, um, you, you went on a waiting list to st study journalism. And yes. What was your What was your first big break then? Oh my gosh, music waves. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I can never forget that. Um, so I, I did, I did apply to BCIT for um, broadcasting program because that was the biggest broadcasting program at that time. 
And um, I was working part-time. I was going to college, taking some random computer courses at this point. And then I see um, Amrik Chima. Um, he used to host a show called, him and Jyoti used to host a show called uh, Satrang on um, Shaw back in the day. And I'm at my grandparents and Amrik announces that we're looking for a host who can speak Hindi and Punjabi fluently and we're launching a new show. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my God, maybe I should have given it a try. I need to give this a try. So I kept calling the number and nobody would pick up. And it used to be landline. I remember feeling so helpless. I only had that one phone number that I had jotted down. Um, and I tried for days and nobody would pick up. And then later on, I found out the reason they weren't picking up is because they were busy shooting a Gurdasman video. Because it was literally three or four of them running the entire music waves yeah. uh, alongside Govinder. So um, I, I didn't give up. <laughs> Finally, somebody picked up the phone and uh, called me for an audition. I went for my audition. Um, I was selected right away. And I, I still look back and I can't believe that Bijoy and Kulvinder Sangera had so much faith in this newcomer who had never faced the camera before, who's 23 years old, who's pretty clueless about what she's doing because I had no formal training at all. Um, but they just had faith. They had faith. They brought me on board. Uh, it was for a channel called Channel M that was being launched. It was a multicultural channel. And the show was called Jawani. And the entire purpose of Jawani was to make Punjabi cool amongst the youth who was feeling disconnected. The kind of content that was being aired on community channels was more for the older generation who were, they were, they were hooked on Saturday, Sundays when all these Punjabi programs were airing. But Music Waves was producing a lot of content for the youngsters. Um, so they were in terms of music. So they had Jazzies and Chindas and Malkit and Amrinder and all these artists. And they needed to make sure that the music... Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details is reaching the audience so and here is a girl from Chandigarh who's clueless about Punjabi music my only knowledge of Punjabi music at that point was Malkit and Manankal because Manankal was dad's friend Malkit because 
his music had played at my mamaji's wedding kututak tutak tutiyan yeah <laughs> i grew up listening to jagjit singh and ghazals and cuz that's yeah. what mom listened to um mahesh bhat movies and yash chopra movies were the only movies we were allowed to see in the theater because there was something about them um that attracted my parents and they would take us to watch these so i didn't really have knowledge of punjabi music but i just faked it till i made it i really did i i was i knew that this opportunity is a lifetime opportunity and it can really change my life i gave it all ricky i gave it all i had i had never done anything like this before but i'm one of those people who just i i'm a perfectionist so uh, with the support of the team for a newcomer a female being the only female in the team by the way which in the working in the media can be so nerve-wracking for a lot of females um but if i didn't have the respect and the dignity and integrity that that i was able to gain in that little time i don't think i would have survived if if mm. that first experience wasn't as incredibly motivating and uplifting i don't think i would have survived and every time i meet bijoy and kovinder that's one thing i say thank you thank you yeah i i recently met kovinder he's he's fascinating he, he, and um i have coaxed him to come in on on air as well so that'll be oh good yeah, luck with that yeah 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 <laughs> he, i think he just said yeah just to get rid of me at, at that bit so was there a, was there a moment um that at this it's probably a test of your memory to be honest was there a moment when you look back and then you thought i've uh, yeah you've achieved what you wanted to what you set out to do or at that no. no not till today i feel like there is so much i want to do <laughs> that's brilliant no I, i and i've sat across some of the biggest names in the industry over the years and i have had many pinch me moments um but have i achieved it no no there is so much more i want to do i always feel like there is more i am so critical of my work um i don't watch most of my work um i don't listen to it i feel like i and i have blinders on i don't listen to other podcasts i don't listen to um local um stuff that's put out there and their only reason being that i don't want to get influenced Uh, so i don't want to adapt anybody's style i don't i want to be authentic and i want to be myself and i don't want anybody's influence um to sort of seep into my my style at all but i always feel like i i have so much more to do i feel i feel like a newcomer with try with tea i'll be honest yeah um, i i just when i um, i i listen to one um, i listen to ordley's one again oh and, did you hear yeah, thank you i think one of the things that came across was Every time I have seen him do an interview there's always this guard up but I I saw it come down when it was with you and that the atmosphere in terms of from the conversation and and he and he looked so full of energy in terms of how he was you know how he was answering his questions and and you were pushing him you were pushing it you know to dig some some more stuff out and you know he was giving it I think that comes through in terms of trust and in terms of a style of delivery what took or how did you how did you come up with that particular style i didn't even realize i had a style i think it is who i am as a person um i come from a place of empathy and compassion not judgment that is my number one thing from day one 
Um, I'll give you an example. It's not on the internet, so no, not, not too many people have seen it, but people still talk about it, the ones who watched it on TV. This is, I think, about mm, 10, 11 years ago. I received a call that I have to interview an artist named Daljeet Dosanjh. Didn't know much about him, um, researched him um, as much as I could, which I always do, even if I don't know the artist. I really wasn't expecting much. I knew that he had done Luck 28 and he had done Jut and Juliet and clearly he was he was rising. And um, I took my camera. At, at that time, I was with Omni, um, met this individual who was just so sharp in a beautiful looking suit and he walks in and he doesn't make eye contact and he just does this to me waits for me to um sit pushes my chair in goes around and sits on his chair and at this point um there is zero judgment because i that's the place that i come from i all i want to do this is the first time i've met this person all i want to do is get to know you. That's always the intention. Um, tell me about the human. I, I do see the person that's constantly entertaining the audience, but I, who's the person behind that facade? That's the one that I want to get to know. First time ever. We reached a point in the interview that was extremely emotional, and he broke down. And he broke down where he couldn't stop his tears. Um, I couldn't stop my tears. We had to stop the cameras and uh, my camera was so confused. He was a freelancer and he was just like, okay, what's going on here? Um, we waited, he, he collected himself and then we restarted the interview and it happened again. There was, I, I don't know what was in the air. I don't know how to, how to be specific. I've had many of those moments in my interviews. Um, all I can think of, or all I can sort of, if I do analyze my work, all I can say is maybe, maybe you just get tired of being in the position of, um, how should I say this? With South Asian media in specific, I find that a lot. It's almost like I'm waiting for you to be pushed under the bus. And I, I will take every opportunity to do so. So I can get you to say something controversial. I make myself feel like I'm on a pedestal, um, but I can make you uncomfortable and embarrassed. And I think when you do so much of that and all of a sudden you're giving an, given an opportunity where I really, that's not my intent and I make it very clear is all I want to do is have a heart to heart conversation. Forget about the camera. I'm not interested in that. Um, I think you bring your guard down. You just automatically do. You just, I feel like nobody listens in today's day and age anyway. So if you have somebody who's actually willing to listen, who says, please, like, tell me, I want to know more. Um, you want to share. You want to, we, we, all of us have so much to say, but we just don't have enough people to listen to us. So maybe that's what it is. Do you think, um, I, I, and, and that's actually, exactly what came across when I when I when I looked at it where it's not clickbaity it's not it's not fake I think sometimes where you know where you see these these individuals and they've have this persona from what they see in front of a camera then behind of it and sometimes it slips and it and it and it kind of crosses over 
Um, but you, you've got to create the environment to say it's okay, it's safe to do it here. But even though you know that it's going to be seen everywhere else, but it's, I think you have a response as an interviewer, you have a responsibility to try and put it out for the best of themselves rather than to have that exploitation at the same time. And it, especially in the Sonali interview, I could see a lot of things between your, yourself mm-hmm. and some of the sim- similarities co- coming out uh, coming out from there. How hard is it for you then? You went to co- try and have a journalism, you know, the qualification and going down that road. Yeah. D- to kind of bring this new era, this new wave, especially with the... Uh, your podcast being at the forefront a level of new professionalism coming in because that's what it is I think doing long format really gets rid of the poor journalist that's in there do you do you feel the same as me I'm unlearning a lot of things I I really am and I didn't realize it I think coming from a journalistic background and coming from um, television especially I'm so used to perfection (laughs) Well, we worked a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a microphone. I am so, and and that's something that I'm even with my social media team. I, um, I'm constantly discussing and I'm learning and I'm, because uh, for me it was like, okay, the moment I have hair, hair makeup on, I'm in character. So I, mm-hmm. I can, now I can, I'm myself, right? So the first few podcasts, it's interesting. Um, last year I taped. It was just because I kept hearing about this podcast needs to be casual and podcast needs to be laid back and podcast needs to be. And I was like, okay, okay. All right. Let's see. Maybe I can do the whole jeans and sweatshirt thing. And maybe I can show up and see. I sucked at it. I I, I don't think I'll ever air those episodes. <laughs> because I wasn't myself and I wasn't able to, and the moment, and I then I had to realize that I don't need to be somebody else. I need to be myself. Um, this is what people have grown up with. They have seen me in this character or role. I wouldn't even call it a character uh, because this is who I am. Uh, they've seen me um, like this. It's just an extension for of who I am, but it's definitely a different medium. Um, I personally enjoy long format interviews much more than surface level conversations. And I think that's just who I am as an individual too. You asked me to do a small talk and I, gosh, I will run the other way because I can't do small talks. But if you want to talk about life and philosophies and, you know, like the world, I am all for it. So this is perfect for me at this point in my life. Could you like what what made you go into the podcast because you've got a history of production of 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 uh programs and that as well what made you mm-hmm. to go in there did you see is that oh this is the next thing that's going to happen I've got to jump on, sorry jump on the bandwagon mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. did you was that was that the thing no not at all um I was tired of being belittled in the South Asian media scene as mm-hmm. a female I was tired of not having enough opportunity in the South Asian media scene locally here. I was exhausted. Um, not having the same opportunity as the men have, not having the not being able to and having to prove yourself over and over and over again while you see your counterparts, um the males. <laughs> South Asian broadcasters uh, just rising and shining. But the moment a female um, has an opinion or wants to express something, um, that's not accepted. 
I think I was tired. I, and also I was really comfortable as well. You, you, in hindsight, you look at all those things and you realize why you're feeling the way you're feeling. It took a toll on my mental health. It took a toll on my confidence level. It took a toll. And then I, I had to sit down and reflect, take a year off um, and sort of say, okay, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Because this is not who I am. I am feeling the way I'm feeling because I'm letting the outside noises and the sounds affect me all of a sudden. And I, again, what I've done throughout my career, I had to learn and relearn how to block those noises and block that noise and say, no, I'm better than this. I'm not going to let other people tell me who I am and make me um, what I'm not. And that was, there's a self, there's a sort of um a blueprint for radio, South Asian radio in Vancouver, especially in radio. So there's a blueprint. So you do the talk shows and you talk about the traditional stuff because, you know, they, they, there's a pattern. Um, and when you, when you have evolved as a person, you've evolved um, as an individual, you realize that these are not the conversations that are fulfilling anymore to me. These are the conversations I had in the beginning of my career. Mm. These are the conversations that I, I'm grown up. I, I've had experiences, I've had, I've gained wisdom. Why is that not encouraged to reflect in my work? Why are my hands being tied? Um, why cannot I be creative? Why can't I have control over my own content? Because my audience has faith in me. Um, somewhere the faith for me also got lost. I started losing faith in myself. So it was that. It was taking back my power, taking back the control. And also, I don't know, Ricky, I have always sort of shied away from being in the light. Like I, I have always been that person who dims my light to make the other person feel comfortable. I've always done that. Um, and I realized that I need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing that. Um, I'm a bit of a pushover. So there's a lot of, I think a lot, there was a lot of self-reflection that came in the You were by far one of the best, easiest people that I've ever had a conversation with to book this on. It was, oh. and I, and I, and you know what it was? I think you appreciated this. I'm talking for you on here. <laughs> that you appreciated the struggles in just sorting this out. It could be so, it's such a nightmare yeah. in, in that way. Do you get a sense of satisfaction that when you see, some of the figures and the 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 feedback that you get from some of the biggest interviews that you've done and you see what's happening in South Asian other media that you've made the right choice every single time. I don't look at what's what everybody's okay. doing. I think once I'll I tell you you are I think you've made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um I, again I come back to what I was saying earlier having the blinders on and just focusing on yourself. Um, and how you can get better and evolve and learn and grow has been my focus from day one. There's been times where I've had no idea that the person that I'm meeting is actually a huge radio personality or um, obviously, you know, the big ones, but there, there are times, you know, there's like, it changes and new people come and there's a lot of great work being done around you. But I just, I can't. If I, if I put my energy into what everybody else is doing and the people that I worked with or the people that are doing what they're doing, I could not focus on myself. I get distracted very easily. I already have a hard time focusing. So 
um, I take all that energy and just, I'm like, no, okay, well, Karan's interview is doing really well. Great feedback. Next one. What are we going to do next? Mm -hmm. um, that's my focus. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, I'm coming towards my hundredth episode and, um, wow. and I, I'm really, I'm really tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, How often are you doing the episodes? Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background on the, on the, on, on this. Yeah, so uh, this was please. during, yeah, during COVID, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, um, I, I learn a lot from them. I only go to a certain few and I, I got into this, I had surgery and, um, and okay. I just felt mm -hmm. I needed, um, needed to, I needed to change some, some, some of the stuff and a bit of an outlook because I had my, um, my kids I wanted to kind of share some of the legacy in terms of like you know my ideas of this and and blah 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 and um so I just make a bit of a digital record but I also wanted to just interview some people that I've always wondered asking them certain questions so I had the, so the idea was to get to Jazzy B that's my hero so um I said oh I have to I have to tell you a story about Jazzy yeah yeah continue. that's fine yeah keep that I always have a section of Jazzy in every episode so <laughs> I just um, kind of had a lot of uh, connections in music and um, managed to ask some of those questions and it just built momentum. So it's Amazing. not, it's just not nothing. Uh, it was just purely selfish project. And uh, I've had people on the way just said like, Oh, can we come on? And, but I'm very selective because I need to know about them in terms of mapping these things out. I've got to have an interest. Um, yeah. Cause you can tell where somebody's already been put in a position and you think, Oh, this is what, you know, this is where it, this is where you got to go. But I, I just got to a point where I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I want to ask Omen Hayer this question or this right. politician that. Yeah. And then quickly kind of worked in a space where there's not that many of me in this in this arena. And then so so when I saw someone like like yourself already there and who it, who it, who who where we were at, it was um it was amazing. So to get to that to get to that point was you know, it's, it's unique. I don't have a team. It's just literally me <laughs> just doing all this, but I do it. I try and do it every week, to be honest. Amazing. Um, That's a lot. But recently um, it's become every couple of weeks, but now I'm yeah. focusing in on um, doing that, but also trying to like um, sort out a little studio to have a more in-person as well at the Amazing. same time. But um, I don't know. I've got no set overall idea. I'm just going with the flow. So uh, wherever it takes me, it'll take me. I've got no, there's no agenda on it in terms of wh where it will go. That's the best. I, I have no agenda. I think my, again, for me also, it was selfish is I want to have these conversations. Um, and I, I want to dig deep and I want to know more. I think that's where it came from for me as well. And it's amazing, isn't it? That you, you, I, I, you don't even realize that the conversation you are having can impact somebody and resonate with somebody in such a deep level. And I'm discovering as I go along, but it's a really, it's a really cool feeling. I think for the first time in my career, Ricky, for the first time in my 20 year career, I'm realizing what it feels like to own your own product, to take your power back, to create your own brand. I was always the face of the station, that station, any and any channel or station I associated myself with, I ended up becoming their face. And that was great 
I was really good at promoting them. And now I'm having to promote myself and I'm having such an interesting sort of realization that actually I don't like attention. I don't. I. This ain't gonna help. It was, <laughs> you know, like it's easier to sort of um, talk about, oh my gosh, I work at so-and-so station and this is this is the channel and this is what I do. And, and now having to do that for myself and... It, a lot of people suggested it should be called Thranum Tenth Show. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That ain't happening. I am, I'm still not there. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm not I'm not that person. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. Um, so a couple a couple of bits really, because I know you've got such a busy, busy day as well. I don't really want to, you know, take too much of your time. And uh, it is international, so I different time zones for you. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite there. Um the how do you, was there ever a guest in terms of where you were scared of getting overwhelmed by? That you were nearly intimidated by? I always get intimidated by Babuman and Gurdasman. <laughs> That's fair. Is it the surname? <laughs> um, I, that too, right? I, I always get nervous. I, I It's interesting how... These two individuals have just so much depth and so much knowledge and so much to share that I always feel like, I hope I live up to that. Um, and that has, and I've done several interviews with the both of them, but I always feel like, oh, I get those butterflies in the stomach every time I have to interview them. Um, but it's, which is ironic because I look forward to deep in conversation. Uh, I really, I, I flourish in that. But these two always sort of make me, yeah, pull my socks up and say, okay, all right, we're going to do this. But yeah, they haven't been on Chai with Tea yet. So I'm looking yeah, well, forward to that. Hopefully. Uh, uh, yeah, I might have to come on before then. I'm only joking. Um, hey, <laughs> um, I was going to say to you, so you, you, were, you were talking about Jazzy earlier. So I need to just make sure I get that story in before, just in case. Oh my gosh, Jazzy. So I met Music Waves. This is in the beginning of my career. I had just started working there. Um, it was lunchtime. And Colinder's office, my office, studio, that's how it used to be when you entered. And you could hear the door open when it opened. Um, because it was lunchtime, everybody was away. I was just sitting in my office getting ready for my show. And this guy walks in with like a gray hoodie and gray pants. And I'm not even looking up at this point. I looked up and then I started, I, I was so focused in my zone trying to write my script for the show that I had to tape later on. And he goes, hey, is Kala there? And I said, excuse me? And he goes, um, is Kala there? And I said, and he realized that I have no idea what he's talking about. So he's like, is Kovinder there? And I was like, oh no, Kovinder stepped out for lunch. Can I take a message? And he's like, can you tell him Jazzy was here? And I said, sorry? And he goes, can you tell him Jazzy was here? I said, Okay, sure. And he left. <laughs> oh dear. Jazzy is one of my closest friends in the industry. Um, he's one person I can call anytime and I know he'll be there. And same goes for me. I never thought I would be friends with Jazzy B. I, I, we still laugh about that story. I honestly had no idea who he was. Kowinder comes back and Kowinder's like, any messages or anything? And I was like, yeah, Jazzy came. And he's like, Jazzy, yes. why didn't you call me? And I was like, I... But don't you, don't you feel... But 
Don't you feel that's the that's the innocence, isn't it? That's just everything where you're you're being genuine. It's it's just so, mad. I really think that I was able to in the especially in the initial parts of my career be able to do what I was doing is because I wasn't intimidated. I wasn't intimidated because half the time I had no idea who I was talking to. Um, I wasn't really familiar with their body of work and the impact these artists have had in the Punjabi music scene. Now I look back and I'm like, some of the legends, I like I sat across them and I had conversations like an innocent child um, talking about their journey. But maybe that's what helped because I really wasn't jaded by their success at all. My cameraman at that time, Aziz, was from Bangladesh. So he spoke Bengali. Bijoy was from the South. He had no idea who these people were. I had no idea who these people were. Aziz had no idea who these people were. The only people who knew was Govinder and his brothers. So when these people walked in, they would do what they had to do. But we were like, all right, let's do this. Hanji Thadanakiya. <laughs> It was a good start, that. <laughs> so, um, but now you ask me about any singer. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've uh, that's a bit that. of an overstatement, um, but, but yeah, I'm yeah, getting but, better. Yeah, but now they'll come to you now. I've already had. I told you I had one already for you. Anyway. I had to. I had to Google him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll move swiftly on. We'll move swiftly. On. Okay, so. Uh, last couple of questions for you. Um, what does the next six to 12 months look like for you? Um, I think I've, I'm giving everything I have to try with tea at this point. I really am. I've, I'm immersing myself in the experience. I want to do different seasons in different parts of the world. Um, so I want to, next year, I'm manifesting this I want to take chai with tea to India and I want to, the people India. that we don't have access to here, um, I can have these conversations there. I want to come to the UK. That's always been a dream um, as well, because there are some incredible legends um, in the UK that I want to talk to. Um, Australia is another place that I want to go to. So all of these things, um, just um, and I, one of the things I really wanted to do was to do Chai with Tea live podcast, which we were able to do last month, which was just an incredible experience. I want to do more of that, have live audience present while we're recording the podcast. Um, so that um, it's it's my baby and I'm just watching it grow and shine and learn from this entire experience. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like it's, it's fantastic and, you know, leading the way to make, trailblazing really making those spaces for those people who are coming in after you making it easier i think conversations and communications is like the biggest thing i think what really gets on our nerves at the moment is when you see some of the artists where they say oh, i'm not doing any media and you're like you what it's like mate nobody knows who you are the best thing you could do is to do it nobody yeah. nobody's got told off for doing too many interviews <laughs> I, I i have a i have a reasoning for that i really think and i've looked at it really carefully and i always play devil's advocate when it comes to artists yeah i feel like i get them i get them um i go back to the same point of the interviewers putting these people on spot and trying to get things out of them that they're not comfortable with. Mm. Um, media training is another thing that's never been done. Mm. Some of these kids 
didn't even know they were going to be famous. They had a craft, they had a skill. Thanks to YouTube and the social media sort of evolution, they have all of a sudden reached this wide audience. But that doesn't mean that they're able to articulate what they want to say through words. Most of artists are very, very camera shy. Forget about camera shy, they're just shy in general. And they're not very expressive people. So I think it comes from that place. I think it just, I'm shocked that I'm interviewing people born in 1999. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, to me, it, I, if, if somebody said to me, I, you know. Um, it's painful, it's that, isn't it, sometimes? It is. <laughs> I mean, they're, actually, you know, it's interesting. It's both. Um, it depends on your, your experiences and how, I just interviewed the most, beautiful old soul recently, uh, Nirvair Pannu, and the conversation was just so beautiful. And this kid has so much depth and so much to say. And uh, it's he, it's just, has it hasn't come out. Uh, any of the interviews that I would watch of his were seven minutes long, eight minutes long, nine minutes long. And he seemed extremely shy and not being able to open up. And his best friend warned me, that he doesn't talk much. I just want to let you know. And I was like, uh, okay, we'll see. We'll go with the flow. Same thing happened with AP. Um, the team, when I was doing the interviews for the documentary um, on Amazon, I was warned that AP doesn't talk much. He doesn't express much. And we spoke for hour and a half, nonstop. Nirvair, I had to like literally look at the clock and go, oh my gosh, Nirvair, like, we got to go. We got to wrap up. <laughs> That's pretty that's brilliant. No, I'll take your points on, to be honest. I, I do. And I and I do see it from there. Sometimes you're just hoping that you they've seen a body of work that to take that trust. Like you're not yeah. if you if you go out of your way to make someone look stupid, you know, it's never gonna make you might get short-term pleasure out of it, but it's never gonna kind of last from, from that bit. Right. I'm gonna come to this bit now because I know exactly how busy you are. <laughs> uh, this is called the bandwagon. So um, I, I give a space to um, the the guest. Where is there a bandwagon that they want to jump on? Is there a bandwagon that they want to jump off, or is there anything that they want to get off their chest? This is their space to do so. Oh, that's a tough one. I should have known about that before. Oh, I try. I never give anyone a pre warning. It's just whatever they feel at that moment, then that's fine. The bandwagon I want to get on is you know how I always envy how. Um, not, I wouldn't say content creators. I was going to say influencers, but that's not the right term. Content creators are able to create content and put it out in a shameless manner, mm -hmm. in a very organic manner, create reels, like the entire, that entire zone of being so comfortable. It takes me an hour and a half to say 30 second piece for my social media. Like I... I really wish I was a little bit more comfortable in that aspect. You say, like, you know, lights, camera, I go, I will talk. But if you if you ask me to, like, just take a phone and start talking to my audience, I have a really hard time. I wish I could learn that. That's a big one for me. Um, mm -hmm. I wish I could just sort of not worry so much and just be okay with being organic and not being so structured. Yeah, I, I do think that it's... Um... You know, I, I resonate exactly what you say. I think it it has become, you know, um, cheap 
in some way where yeah. people just get it and just just throw it out there like I do the same I'm just consistent with the same stuff like I, I do know that I have to change the colors of the background soon I need to do other stuff but like my point is to say that the whole purpose is to have the person you're not the star the person is the person who, who oh my gosh that's a big one for me that's a big one for me that the entire conversation is not about you it's about the person you're sitting across for me the biggest compliment is always um you brought the best out of them and if it's the guest for them to say you made us feel comfortable that's a biggest compliment <coughs> brilliant sorry got a cough out of you that's great <laughs> i think that's just, i think that's a natural i think that's a natural pause in it but i really you know and so the things out from when i've been you know looked at your stuff and um, you know, I'm learning and I think it's really important to have mentors and people who are, you know, chap people are doing well and actually telling people that they're doing well as well is really important because I think that from an ego point of view um, is lacking. I think I think if we actually encourage other people, especially in this space, I think podcasters have a duty of not making podcasts like the what the rest of the media is. It's a separate thing. Go on other people's podcast, support theirs, because not everyone can listen to one thing at a time. They've got a, a selection. Everybody's different. There's loads of space and loads of food for everybody out there. So I think, you know, that's one thing that I think you're doing really, really well. And I encourage you to kind of keep that forward. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there's not too many people that especially – we don't encourage our peers enough. I find uh, we don't we don't hear that from our counterparts that you're doing great, and that's very rare. It takes a very secure person to to say, "Hey, I'm a podcaster, so are you? You're doing amazing." And when you reached out, Ricky, I honestly was like, "Oh my goodness, that is so cool!" Um, just because in in the media, all you see is everybody's competing with you. Um, I've been in those workplaces or workspaces where everyone sees you as a threat. Everyone sees you as, I have to compete with her. Like I need to be, oh my gosh, she's a threat. I'm going to push her under the bus. Like all, all of those experiences leave you feeling really, um, I don't want to say cynical because I'm too much of an optimist, um, but it does, it does sort of make you feel like, okay, who, who do you trust? So then you clam up and you just go in your own shell and you just keep doing your thing. So I, it means a lot that you, I mean, you have people like Jazzy B on your podcast and now you're having me. So that's a big deal. I should tell that to Jazzy. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did bump into last uh, couple of weeks ago. And um, uh, so, so me and my son are super fans. Right? My son is, even, <laughs> and uh, I was just like looking at it for about half an hour. Like, what? Just talking that, and I was like, "I've got to stop this. I've got to stop this." <laughs> I, oh my gosh! I think the only reason uh, him and I are really, really great friends is because I I'm clueless about his music. I know Dil Lutya, and that's my song, and that's my oh job, my and that's the. Um... I need to get we, we, when you come in, when you come over. We'll do, I'll do classes and just go through his whole portfolio, <laughs> and then we'll, I mean we'll... I and that it it his contribution to the music is just something else. That's something that I. And that's another thing with charity. I think I've tried to do is because we already have so much um, of content where they're talking about their music and their product and their their journey. My mine is always personal. 
So I, I sometimes in my interview, sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't even touch on the the craft and the music aspect. But I feel like there's so many people already doing that. So mine is more like, no, let's talk about the person, Jazzy B. Um, so I've done a I've done a really cool interview with him. I hope you like it as a fan, especially. I will. I'm checking. <laughs> Don't you worry. If there's any problems, I'm texting you straight away and saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay Tara, i really appreciate you taking time out today and um i can't wait to do this again when you're on the on your on the next sort of ceiling and uh, oh. breaking through that and i really appreciate it thank you very much my pleasure honestly thank you so much for having me thank you <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.